I love seeing all the help yesterday. We had the, uh, the Easter extravaganza in Fisher around the, the Heritage Pond yesterday. And I love seeing East Bend and several other churches come together and helping our community, uh, mostly Fisher, but uh, people near this, this church, know about the story of Jesus. Not just that there's some Easter eggs and bunnies that jump around and the, the, the Easter, but the, kind of what the world says Easter is, and I'm not saying that, that's bad. I like candy just as much as anybody. <laughs> but it was really neat to see, and you get to see these, these families yesterday hearing about Jesus and hearing about the story of Easter is that Jesus lived a perfect life and He died a sinner's death, a criminal's death on a, on a cross, but that He didn't stay dead. He is alive now. And so that's why we celebrate Easter, that His salvation is for anyone that puts their trust in His name. And so that was really cool. Thank you for all of you that helped with that. And I, um, there's some extra hot dog buns. Just grab some if you want some hot dog buns. We had a few extras. So thanks for everybody who was involved in that. And let's just keep praying for, for the seeds that were planted yesterday. But Today we are going to be looking at the King's Gospel, how the King rode into Jerusalem. The King is Jesus, the eternal King. And so we're going to see what His Gospel message is all about. And so let's, let's uh, re- kind of review what we've done over the last few weeks. We've, we've looked at, at, from the book of Mark, how, how Mark shows right away that the Gospel is that Jesus is the Messiah, that the good news that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and that when, he, when Jesus came, He wants to be with us. He wants to cleanse us and make us whole. And then also, that, that there's, just like in the video, there's religious leaders that are against, there's, there's people in the world that are against what Jesus is doing. And we don't want to be those people that clash with the heart of Jesus. And, and we've seen that committed disciples of Jesus have ears to hear the Word of God. And then we have seen things like when we are overcome with fear, when it looks terrible all around us, let's trust Jesus, the one who overcomes. Let's not push away Jesus. Let's have faith to trust Him. That Jesus is our, our, the bread of life who gives contentment no matter what our circumstances are. And, and that Jesus expects His followers to be like Him. That we're all in for the Gospel. That Jesus came to die he died a, a criminal's death on the Roman cross, but He also called, calls us to pick up our cross and to die to ourself. And so it's not just this Jesus died and everything's good. He wants us as His followers to live like Him, to die and to be living a life of sacrifice and surrender to Jesus. And then last week we looked at it. those who trust in Jesus, and in, in the relationship we have with Jesus, we, we listen to God. We listen to Jesus while we love and serve like He does. And we saw this as we listen to Jesus. We, we are in a growing relationship with Jesus. But we need to be listening and seeing what He wants us to do, what He wants us, what He's teaching us. And then we saw that we, can, we love Him and love with Him, not just loving Him with all our heart, but loving with His love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then using that as a way we relate to others. And then we saw that we lead like Him. And the way that we lead like Him is that we live a life of service. That we came, Jesus came to, to serve. 
That's like the key part of, of Mark, is he came to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, it says in Mark 10.45. So today we're going to jump into Mark 11. And, and, and this week is Passion Week, it's Holy Week, it's the week that Jesus came into Jerusalem as, as the king. And then at the, on Friday, he died a sinner's death, and, but then on Sunday, next Sunday, we celebrate Easter Sunday, the day that he resurrected from the dead. And so this week, I just encourage you, there's a lot to read. And so I'm not going to try to cover Mark 11 through 15 today in the message. I know that would, we would be here until way after lunch. But I want you to read it this week. I want you to take time, each, maybe each day, just pick a chapter, Mark 11, today or tomorrow, and read all the way through the story of the Passion Week of Jesus. What was he doing and teaching and how did he give his life? And then on Thursday, we have a, a Monday Thursday uh, service here. And then on Friday, we, a, a good Friday service at Dewey. So be, be joining us in those if, if you can. Um, and, and so today we're going to be jumping in Mark 11 and starting in verse 1. And so we're going to see this account of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So I encourage you to turn to Mark 11 today, and if you have a Bible app or you want to follow along on the screen, that's fine too. And it says in Mark 11, as they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethage and from Bethany in the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying, go to the village ahead of you just as you enter it, and you will find a colt there which has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it back here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. So here they are. They're, they're at the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is the, is the place where, right before getting into Jerusalem, you can see the temple. So they're at this place where you can see the temple, and Jesus knows the significance of the temple. And so he tells his disciples, two of them, go ahead and prepare, get this, get this donkey, this, this colt that's never been ridden before. And and if anyone asks what you're doing, say the Lord needs it, and he'll bring it back. We're borrowing it. And, and I don't know if there was a prearrangement there or just I mean, Jesus knew it was going to be okay. But here, it was an unridden donkey, an unridden colt. So this, there's some significance here because an unridden donkey shows that that was a, a sign of royalty. Someone that rides in on an unridden colt is, is showing they are royal. And so Jesus knew what he was doing. And in verse 4 says, And they went and they found a colt outside in the street and tied it to uh, the doorway. And as they untied it, some of the people standing there said, What are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus told them to. And the people let them go. And they brought, when they brought the colt to Jesus... They threw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread their branches that they had cut from the fields, and those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! As when Jesus entered Jerusalem, 
He went to the temple courts and he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So Jesus is the king who rides on an unridden donkey. He's the king. As he came in to Jerusalem, he's riding this donkey. And as I said a minute ago, it was a sign of royalty. But if the donkey was to be, if, if it was going to be a horse, this would be a sign of a king wanting to go to war or this power, this, the, the people would, would be conquering something. But Jesus didn't choose a war horse. He was very intentional of choosing a donkey because a donkey was a sign for peace. And that's what Jesus' kingdom was all about, peace. And that's what we're called to be about too. The peace of Jesus. In Zechariah, there was a, the prophecy that said in Zechariah 9 that rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. That's, that's Jerusalem. See, your king comes riding to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. And then it talks about how he's going to proclaim peace to the nations. And his rule, this is, this is the Messiah, Jesus, will extend from sea to sea and from, and from the river to the ends of the earth. And then, he's talk, and then and Zechariah continues about how he will free your prisoners from a waterless pit and return to your fortress, your prisoners of hope. So that Jesus is coming into the city in a sign of peace, but also as a sign of royalty, and He's going to come and save the people from a waterless pit. Hopelessness. We have no chance without Jesus. And the people were, were, were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna! And, and this is a, a, a way of saying, save us. Save us. They're asking Jesus to save them. Now specifically, they're most likely asking Jesus to save them from their current problems. Their current problems were the Romans. The Romans that were killing people on these crosses. And they were in charge. And this, this, these verses here are also quoting Psalm 118, 25 and 26. It says, Lord, save us. Grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord for the... From the house of the Lord, we bless you. So they're, they're saying, save us, Lord. Save us. We know that you are the king. We know that you are the Messiah. You're showing us right now. We believe in you and we're praising you. And they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You are blessed. And Hosanna in the highest heaven. And you are coming from our father David. This, this is David's, David's line would never end. He would be the king forever. And, and so this is, this is our first point today, is that this Holy Week, let's celebrate Jesus Christ who is the king who reigns forever. His reign, his kingdom never ends. Hallelujah. His kingdom never ends. We don't have to worry about when our king is going to die sometime and then if there's another king that takes over, that's, that's not as good. Jesus is the king, and he's the king forever. And, and so these people, they wanted to be saved from their problems, and I wonder if that's what we want too. We want to be saved from our problems. We want to be saved from 
the government, the ruling people in our land, from whatever, all the conspiracy, all the problems, all the different things that are happening, all the corruption, all the heartbreak. There's a lot of problems. And sometimes we say, Jesus, save us from these things. But Jesus didn't save the people from the Romans. It doesn't mean he couldn't. He could have. That wasn't his plan. He had a far better plan. And that's what was hard for us to see sometimes, is that Jesus has a far better plan than what we even want. Our, our verse this week was Colossians 3, 1-3, to and it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, and he's seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is reigning right now at the right hand of God. So we need to set our minds on these things, the, the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And that is what we are all about, is that our, our, our life is hidden with Christ and God. And that we don't think about all the worries of this life. Yes, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're of Jesus. We're of His kingdom. And so let's think about the things that are above, the things that are eternal. I know it's a lot easier to think about all the things around us, our earthly life. But let's think about the eternal things. And this song that we heard in the first song today, we were singing, Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen, the, the eternal things. Show me how to love like you have loved me. That's what we want, to, to love with the way that God loves us. We want to love others. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save us, save us. Dude, I asked this in a sermon recently. Do we want Jesus' peace or do we want peace and calm? Do we want our King Jesus' peace, the peace that He brings? Or do we just want the calm? Sometimes I think we just want the calm. And if we get a little of Jesus in there, that's, that seems better. But Jesus' peace is different than just the calm. That means sometimes we have to be courageous. We have to live a different life. We have to live a bold life. So this, this week, this Passion Week, let's celebrate Jesus Christ, the King who reigns forever, the eternal King. And, and then through, through Mark 11 and 12 and 13 and 14, we, I want you guys this week to be reading these, to see what's happening during this week of this, this last week of Jesus' earthly life before he dies. And then coming to Matthew, or in Mark 15, we're going to see what a lot of times we read on Good Friday. But in, in Matthew 15, sorry, I said Matthew, I mean Mark. <laughs> we're in the good news from Mark. And Mark 15, starting in verse 12, it, it, so Pilate is there and they have They've arrested Jesus. And they're trying to figure out what should we do with this Jesus? 
You know, Pilate knows that Jesus didn't do anything wrong. It's just that this is just kind of some kind of dispute among the, the, the Jews, the Jewish people. And he doesn't really want to have anything to do with this, but he's just, he doesn't want to riot. And so he's, he's asking, what do you want me to do with this? This king of the Jews. This, uh, and he, was, he knew that there was this, the self-interest of, of the chief priests that were, were against Jesus. But the, these religious leaders, they were stirring up the crowd. And I wonder if this same crowd, some of the people were saying a few days before, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And now what are they saying? They're saying, release Barabbas. And so Pilate says in verse 12, what should I do then with the one that you call king of the Jews? The king of the Jews. What should we do with Jesus? And in verse 13, they're yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. What crime has he committed? Pilate wants to know. But they shouted all the louder. They didn't want to give reasons. They just wanted to shout and scream, kill him. Crucify him. We want him dead. He didn't save us from the Romans. Kill him. Right in front of Jesus. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, because Pilate doesn't want a riot. He doesn't want to have problems. He released Barabbas, the, the, the one that was guilty, the one that was killing and stealing. And he was the one that was guilty, and he's the one that should have been condemned to die. But then again, it's not just the criminals that deserve death. It's all of us that deserve death for any and every sin that we've committed. So Pilate had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. And the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and they called together the whole company of soldiers and they put a purple robe on Jesus and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him or probably pushed it down into his skin on his head. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Hail, King of the Jews! And they were mocking Jesus. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and they spit on him. And falling on their knees, they paid homage to him in a mocking way. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes and they led him out to be crucified. And so this week, as we celebrate Jesus, we celebrate Jesus who is the King who suffered. We celebrate Jesus as our eternal King, but also the King who suffered. This was not a pretty thing that happened. He was suffering. He, he saw the crowd rejecting him. He saw the soldiers and he looked at them with love in his eyes. And he knew that he was going to die for each of them who put their faith and trust in him alone. And so Jesus suffered. And I wonder, as we think about our problems and we think about our 
wanting to be saved and getting away from suffering, does Jesus call us to a life free of suffering? We, we kind of hope so. <laughs> we kind of want that. We don't want to have these problems. We, we want our life to be better. I mean, there's a whole prosperity gospel if you want to get on that, that belief because there's no suffering involved in what they're teaching. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus not only is the eternal king that's reigning forever, is that he's the king who suffered in our place. And he's calling us to live like he did. And that means sometimes we're going to suffer. It says in Hebrews that, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. We don't need to grow weary and lose heart because look at Jesus, what he did. He had all power and authority to stop everything that was happening to him. But he didn't. And sometimes we think we have, we need to stop what's happening to us and make it so people can't hurt us. Make it right. Stop. But no. We look at Jesus who endured the cross and scorning its shame. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, at the throne of God. And he suffered. And we consider him who endured this opposition, this, not just opposition, this like great, great opposition, even to the point of death. That we, that's our example, that we don't grow weary and lose heart. So we have a king that reigns forever and a king who suffered. And then it says in Mark 15, a little bit later, in verse 25, it says, it was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. And, and there was a written notice or a sign that they put over the cross and it read, King of the Jews. Again, we're seeing King. So we've seen King as he rides in on a donkey. And we've seen king what should we do with this king of the jews we'll make him suffer kill him and now even at his death we see a sign that says king of the jews and of course it was written in a mocking way but it's showing that jesus is the king the king that saves he was saving the people even as it didn't look like it as he was dying a criminal's death on a cross this roman cross that the people were wanting to be saved from Verse 27, there was, there was two rebels with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Jesus could have come down from the cross, but that would have, that would have ruined everything. He would have showed them right there, yeah, he has power, but that wasn't the plan. Sometimes we do that. We, we want to show that we, we can do something. We can make it right. We can show them. But that's not God's plan. That's why we need to be listening, attentive to the Holy Spirit in our life. 
to know what God's plan is, to know how to respond. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked Jesus among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. It looked hopeless. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, there it is again, King, come, come down from the cross now that we may see and believe. They were, those crucified with Him were even heaping insult on Him. You saved others, why can't you save yourself? You have all this power, Jesus, why can't you save yourself? Come down, just show us, we'll believe you. Jesus didn't want them to believe because of his power. He wanted them to believe because he wanted them to be saved from their sins. He wanted to take their place. He was looking at them with love, and he didn't say anything to them. But I'm sure he was loving them. At noon, darkness came across the whole land until three in the afternoon. And Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema shalathuma, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those were standing there heard this, they were saying, listen, he's calling to Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink and said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the Roman centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how Jesus died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Even the Roman who saw this believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And this week, we celebrate Jesus our King who gave his life. We celebrate that Jesus laid down his life. He laid down all his power, all his authority, and died a, humility, a humble death in, in humility and love for us. And I, I love reading the Chronicles of Narnia and watching the movies, but the, the, the figure of Jesus in the movie or in the books are, is Aslan, a lion. And Aslan, he died in the place of Edmund. He died so that the people didn't have to. And that's just, that was just for one person. But Jesus he died so that no one has to go on to eternity without Jesus. That no one has to go to hell, a place without Jesus. But that doesn't mean people choose Jesus. Because our main idea today is that the good news of Jesus is that by Jesus' sacrifice, all can be saved from sin and death. All have the opportunity to be saved from sin and death. That doesn't mean that all will be saved from sin and death. But Jesus gives 
everyone that opportunity to put their trust in His name and be saved. And that's the good news. And that's what our mission is to go tell people about Jesus. That's why I was so fired up yesterday. Because all these kids in Fisher got to hear about Jesus, the risen Savior. And that's what we need to be all about is showing people Jesus' love and his peace and how his kingdom is so different from the kingdom and the kingdoms of this earth. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus is the king who reigns forever, the king who suffered. Ultimate example of the suffering servant. And he's the king who gave his life, the one who redeemed and saved. And we cry out, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king. Save us, Jesus. Our greatest need is to be saved from our sins. And Jesus, our King, suffered and died so that we can have hope and eternal life in Him. And we are hopeless without the grace and mercy of Jesus. And our King's sacrifice was, is for all who put their life in His hands and trust Him. And surrender their lives fully to Him. If that's not something you've done today, if that's not something you want to do, if that's not something you're not, you're not sure about, I would love to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can contact me. Contact any of the elders or, or someone that you know that loves Jesus. We'd love to pray with you and show you what it means to, to trust Jesus. Put your hope in His name alone. We're going to, this week as we're, we're having a new memory verse, it's, it's Philippians 2, 9 through 11, and it says, Therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And that's, that's our prayer this week, is that Jesus, that everyone comes to saving faith and acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that Jesus is the King of kings. And I encourage you to, to think about this question before we close here. How does Jesus' sacrifice impact the way that I live? So take just a moment and think about this. How does Jesus' sacrifice impact the way that we live? I want to invite Ellen to come up to get ready for a song called King of Kings. And some of the words in this song I just wanted to read. It says, To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem 
the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw the other side, knowing this was our salvation. Jesus, for your sake, you died. And so we praise the Father and the Son and Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Jesus, we just praise you this morning, and we thank you that you died a sinner's death. And God, I thank you that you offer eternal life to all who put their life in your hands and trust you and believe in your name. God, I thank you that you are the king that reigns forever, that you can be praised and blessed. And God, that you're the king that suffered and died. Jesus, thank you for this sacrifice. And God, I just pray that this week as we are thinking about your sacrifice, that God, that you would draw us closer to yourself each day. And that we would just be anticipating Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and just be able to praise your name in spirit and in truth. And God, we just pray that we would be a people that reach the lost and broken, the ones that are hopeless, the ones that you came to save. And so, Jesus, we just pray that we would be your vessels and your hands and feet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I sing this.